You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. Have you ever wanted to convince somebody to do things your way, but it didn't go how you planned? Maybe it was with a client and they didn't go ahead with your services because you failed to provide value. Maybe it was during a job interview and you failed to sell yourself. Or maybe you're actually naturally a very convincing person and you're looking for the next step in your horticulture career after spending some time on the tools. Basically, anytime you're trying to convince somebody to make a decision or change their mind, you're in sales mode. This episode serves as an introduction to sales and selling for professionals in the green industry. And my guest today is Zach Iqbal. He's a salesperson of over 20 years in the green industry, and he's going to walk us through what's called the sales process and teach us how to become more convincing. G'day, Zach. Welcome to the show, mate. Thank you. So I guess let's start this episode off by just having a talk about selling as a skill. Like, is that a skill that's only relevant for salespeople or should business owners and even staff members as well all learn sales? I think everybody knows how to sell. It's just whether they don't identify as what they're doing as selling. Uh, you know, if you look at children, they're very good salespeople. Um, you know, if you look at a, a child and they want something and they say, and you say no, then they go, okay, no problems. But then if you have another child, like my second daughter, uh, if you tell her no, she'll come back and give you a, you know, an answer and uh, you think oh yeah okay i can't say no to that so you know she's got so many different closes up her sleeve that it's not funny and eventually you end up saying yes so even in the uh, in our work environment i think um, uh, everybody is somebody's client so we're all selling we just don't realize we're actually doing it mm. so when i'm trying to uh, get my wife to head down to my favorite cafe that's me selling absolutely that's you selling your version of what you want to do to her and she's selling right back to me absolutely so i guess the client if you're trying to sell them something may be trying to sell you a different story absolutely so it depends you know, you know the the person that closes a sale is the person that understands the the situation the most or knows uh, how to you know pull those person's triggers for them to be emotionally attached to that you know outcome without them realizing it and I mean, when you say that, I think a lot of people, especially gardeners, like we're just down to earth people, like we don't like the idea of being sold to, but I mean, does it have to be a bad thing? No, selling, I don't think it has to be a bad thing. I think, you know, a good example is like, if you go into a shop and they ask you, um, you know, like, are you okay? Do you need any help? And first of all, in their first response, everybody's first response mostly is no, I'm <laughs> just looking. But if they come to you and say, look, I'm just going to be over here. I'm doing some things. If you need help, let me know. And just as we're about to walk away, you say, oh, actually, I do need help with that. So it's all about, um, you know, how you uh, uh, place it and, uh, you know, how you disarm the, the person. And, you know, if you if you ask somebody, do you need help, that triggers them automatically to, you know, say, just say, no, I'm just looking. So. Mm. Well, that's actually happened to my wife and I recently. Like my wife said, let's buy a Nintendo. And we've never we had a Nintendo 64, but we've never really been gamers. And 
So we walked into JB and the first thing this bloke walks up to us with this energy that just didn't match ours. And he was like, can I help you with anything? And it was just like way faster than us. And we could not say yes. Like even if we wanted to say yes to that guy, we just could not. And we said no. And we tried to find where everything was. and We couldn't find ourselves. And we just walked into EB because we just, we didn't want to have to deal with that guy. Yeah, absolutely. There's no commonality there. No rapport. Yeah. 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 So I think that uh, I'm guessing probably a lot of people can relate with that feeling of wanting to convince somebody, but not being able to, and that's frustrating. Yeah. I think, you know, it's being relatable is, is key in sales. If you can't be relatable, then people will not be able to have that commonality, you know, with you. Yep. So what's the first thing that people need to know about sales? I think first thing people need to know about sales is it's not uh, a pushy uh, role. You know, sales typically is identified, you know, most people's version of used car salespeople and being pushy is their version of sales. But sales is essentially, I think, you know, um, learning about that person's needs and then matching your product to your to their needs. So, you know, if you're, say, say somebody was selling cars and they, were, you know, and they found out that, they're a family of five um, and they needed a car. You obviously wouldn't sell them a four-seater. You'd probably sell them a family mover or something bigger or a minivan, you know, depending on how many kids you want to have in the future, what they use it for the weekend, um, do they need to have storage space, all those kinds of things. And then essentially you're matching them to the product. So essentially it's about, you know, finding out about the customer's needs and then, you know, it's selling that information back to them and saying, look, this is what you need. And then, you know, establishing that and then, moving on to the next step, which is a close. So uh, I think, you know, you know, sales has got a bad rap from, you know, all the different industries that, you know, salespeople are seen as pushy. But, you know, sales is, a, I think, a very noble and a very uh, highly, um, you know, um, a, a job or a profession that's very highly skilled because you need, if a very good salesperson knows how to disarm you know, what triggers a customer, how to close a customer, how to build rapport, and all those things that come into to making a sale. So I think that's, um, yeah, I think that's just the gist of it. Mm. And I think a salesperson, a good salesperson knows the right questions to ask as well. And I wouldn't claim to be a good salesperson, but I guess what you're saying is it's like a selling as a service. Absolutely. So it's uh, sales is a service, but not only that, it's also... Uh, a way of you know finding out what the customer needs by you know asking some particular questions that they would themselves probably haven't really figured out. So essentially, it's asking the questions and then figuring out what's in their head, and you're pulling that out and you're putting it into a, a presentation and giving it back to them. So essentially, you're selling themselves on themselves buying what they need, and the best way to do it is through that product or your product. Right. I've been a salesperson a um, couple of times. So I did a um, bit of sales before I got into horticulture and I wasn't very good at it because I was too pushy and I couldn't separate myself well enough from the emotions of selling. And so that made me a poor salesperson. I think if I had stuck with it a little bit longer, I would have done better. But um, I guess one of the scary things about sales is the cold call or the cold contact. Can you define that term for us? I think cold calls have got a a bad rap over the years, but essentially cold calls are 
essentially you're calling somebody you haven't met or talked to before. So cold calls could be, you know, door-to-door, could be B2B, or could be uh, telephone or, you know, cold emails uh, or cold DMs now, which is on Facebook. So, I mean, essentially cold calls are a way for, you know, salespeople to generate more business that they wouldn't have had. So I think, um, but the thing is, um, you know, it's, um, it's such a, a good way to, to gain new business if done properly. Right. So someone's not expecting you, you know, I'm sitting here on my tablet today or my phone or my computer or whatever. Now I get a call. Hello, this is such and such from such and such. You're not expecting my call, but here I am. I'm trying to sell you something. That's a cold call, right? Or if they knock on your door, it doesn't have to be a call. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So like, how should we make a cold call? Like what's the approach there? What's the mentality? The mentality, I think most people is uh, when they when they get on a cold call to, to make a cold call, they obviously, you know, a person has obviously, you know, pumped themselves up to actually make a cold call because it's quite scary for certain <laughs> people. But uh, a cold call is essentially not to sell the person on their first call. You know, you may sell them something or close them on a sixth or seventh or first or second or third or whatever call. But the thing is, it's not to sell them something, it's to to you know learn about their needs it's to find out if they actually have a need for your service so essentially you selling them something you're actually disqualifying them to see if they're a you know good company or a good person to work with mm-hmm. and i think the biggest thing is when we when people get on a cold call is they are attached to an outcome is to you know the biggest benefit in uh, i learned in cold calling was to let go of the outcome. So, you know, and I have nothing attached to from this call that I'm going to make except that I'm going to find out who this person is, maybe get their name, get an email, and then you build rapport from that. I see. So that's a real switch from almost like you're cold calling to be sold by them. Yeah, absolutely. So it's them now, you know, uh, you're disqualifying them whether they are suitable to work with you. It's, you know, it's so much to do with mindset that are these people, you know, the ideal client that I would like to do business with, you know. So it's essentially, and you're disarming them. So when you call them, you know, the immediate trigger is, uh, hey, it's, you know, it's Zach from blah, blah, blah. How are you going? I mean, if, you, if you've never met somebody or you haven't never talked to them, you don't ask them, how are you going? Because that immediately, you know, triggers their response, look, I'm not interested. Uh, but, you know, if you rang them and say, hey, it's Zach from blah, 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 I would like to, you know, introduce myself. I'm just ringing. I don't know if this may be suitable for you, but, you know, and then they go, oh. So it's a totally different approach to, you know, it's it's got to do a lot with mindset. Uh, skill does come into it. Obviously, you get better with the more calls you make, but it's definitely, um, you know, um, knowing what to say and what to say and how to, to, to say it. Perfect. Can you please paint us a picture of someone who would do it the wrong way, like a novice? Like what does a novice sound like when they cold call? It's probably, there would be me probably about 20-something years ago. I'd say, hey, it's Zach from this company. Uh, I'm ringing you in regards to this. I just wanted to see if you had a need for it. See, that's how I'd do it. So why is that wrong? So it's, it's a, we're, we're immediately selling. We're not even trying to build rapport with that person. I think that's so common. Uh, maybe, you know, that's what we were trained. That's what I was trained as very early on, but I wasn't very successful at it and I left. It's only later on in my career that I figured out how to actually do it. But um, 
what's actually wrong with that? Because it it, 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 it triggers the person automatically thinking, oh, no, cold call, I tell him, I'm, mm. I'm not interested. Because if they've already got a uh, relationship with a the company, the last person they want to talk to is you, another, <laughs> another person selling the same thing. So... You know, it's uh, it it puts them on their guard, and especially you know, like if somebody asks you, "Hey, going today?" and you've never met them, it's like mm, mm, salesy salesperson. Yeah. Don't want to talk to you. Hey, man, I've got a million things to do. What is this about? Yeah, absolutely. So, what's a warm contact then? A warm contact is somebody that has been referred to you, or knows about you, or has you know somewhat somehow come across your company or you. And they kind of have an idea of what you do, but, you know, haven't really bought anything from you yet. Okay. So maybe they've been a follower on your social media. They've listened to yes. you, you on the Plants Grow Here podcast. Now they're ready to buy and they're contacting you already warm and they already have an idea of who you are. Yep. Hmm. So can you tell us what is an objection? Objection is simply a customer asking you for more information. So I guess when I was in sales, an objection would be a negative. I would think of an, an objection as a negative thing, like I don't have time, I don't have enough money, I can't afford this, I need to check with my wife. Yes, that's. I mean, that's a lot. That's some of the objections, but yeah, that would be the main ones. I mean, a lot of people have objections, um, you know, as as a way to get get rid of people. Mm, I do. It's having, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when you walk into a shop and you don't want the salesperson bugging you or you're not interested, you'll just, you know, you'll make an excuse just to get out of there. That's what I told the guy at JB. I said, I'm not interested, but I was so ready to buy. I just didn't <laughs> want to buy from him. That's it. <laughs> it sounds like the way that you approach it, an objection isn't a bad thing. It's an opportunity to open up and learn more. So how, like, how can that be true when they've just said, I'm not interested? Well, you know, they could quite simply say it because it's just an automatic response. They say that to everybody, um, you know, but finding out more, uh, asking pertinent questions is probably key and knowing what to ask, you know, and you got to, essentially you have to disarm the, the prospect, you know, instead of, um, you know, getting them to be triggered instead of saying, oh, yeah, just another salesperson, is actually say, hey, look, I don't even know if you're, you know, the right person. Or if if you're not if you are actually the right company that we should be able to do business with, it gets them to stop and think, and it breaks that um, you know that cycle of just the automatic response. Right. So you get seen more as a person of influence, or you know, um, as a professional rather than just another salesperson. Hmm. So it's like, hey man, I might not be good enough for you, and you might not be good enough for me. Let's just work it out. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, that's awesome. So what are some of the main objections that do you reckon that you've seen within the nursery industry? Uh, the nursery industry. Well, you know, price is obviously always one. Um, availability, um, product quality. But it, it really depends on, you know, certain businesses and certain people. There's, there's always a product for somebody out there. You know, somebody wants it mm. cheap, there is a product for them. Um, whether they realize the benefits of paying extra money for something that's more quality, uh, you know, sometimes they only learn that the hard way later and down the track. Yeah, that's true. So how do novices get the objection handling wrong? How do they get it wrong? Um, 
they probably follow what they've been told. And if the person training them, most of the people that actually train haven't, you know, um, been, um, you know, selling um, long enough or, you know, have enough experience to actually how to actually, you know, do selling as a, as a professional. It's not just simply about, uh, you know, picking up a phone or actually pitching a customer on a certain product or, you know, all of its um, qualities. It's actually learning about that person's needs and then matching the right product. And your product may not even be suitable for, you know, that particular person at that time. Um, so it's just about, you know, disqualifying people more than qualifying them. I see. That's a good way of putting it. Okay, so let's just say we're in the sales process now. We've cold called or we've warm called. We've gotten a couple of objections. We've handled them. And I'd like to go through some role-playing later if you're keen with that. Yeah. Cool. So what's the next step in the process now? We've handled all the objections. What now? If we've handled all the objections, you'd be coming to the close. And you can do like a, a, a trial close just to see if they're actually ready to buy now or in six months' time or, you know or they will actually buy at all. So before you actually close them, it's actually you know beneficial to find out if it's actually worth going to the next step. Okay, and what does that look like? That looks like like you know like if we were selling somebody and say, look, you know, I've answered all your questions. Uh, do you think you're ready to to move to the next stage, or you know, um, we are you happy if I take a deposit? Um, you know, when would you like delivery, or you know, it's what color would you like it in? Things like that. So the what color would you like it in? That's quite interesting, that one, isn't it? Because you're assuming the clothes there. So you're assuming Absolutely. that they want something, whether it's red or yellow. So which one would you like, red or yellow? There's no option for no car there. Yeah. Brilliant. So let's say I'm a landscaper and I'm with a client in their front yard. Like what, what are some tips that you have that I can be more persuasive when I'm upselling my services? It depends on if you're a landscaper or a gardener and you're pitching the client uh, on your services and, uh, you know, depending on what it is the client wants. And obviously, you've talked to the client, you've built rapport by asking them about their garden, their likes and dislikes. Um, you've asked about the plants in their garden uh, and you've built some sort of rapport with them. Um, it's, it's about, you know, and if you've showed them your work, you've showed them your pitch book, you've showed them previous clients' jobs, and you've shown them testimonials from other clients that have actually, um, you know, had the same service actually pitching this person here. And if you've shown them all that, that should be a fairly easy close. Right. So it's about building the value before you go in for the close. Absolutely. So, you know, if, if somebody, say, wanted landscaping done with, uh, you know, some trees planted or, or whatever it is, uh, you have to build a rapport by, you know, having a pitch book of previous clients' jobs, testimonials, uh, before and after pictures, all those things. And, you know, once you get into that stage where you get to pricing it or, you know, pitching that price, you actually build enough credibility in yourself for that client to go, yeah, this guy really knows what he's talking about. I can give him my money and he'll actually get it done. 
I see. So let's say like you're the client's like, oh, this plant here needs help. And you're like, oh yeah, that's the buxus. Or you're like, yep. you can give it a name. And suddenly all of a sudden in the back of the client's mind, they might not even be thinking about this consciously, but they're mm-hmm. assigning authority to you. Absolutely. They, you're building credibility in the client's mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what are some other ways that we can be more persuasive? Some other ways, um, besides what I've mentioned, if you're you know, a landscape gardener, uh, obviously having a pitch book with your before and after photos of jobs, uh, client testimonials, um, you know, you could you could have a, um, uh, a e-book that you could, you know, quite easily write, um, you know, five common mistakes uh, most landscapers make when, redes- redes- when redesigning their garden or, or landscaping. Or things like that, just to intrigue the customer as to why they should choose you instead of over somebody else. Brilliant. So I'd like to have a play with some role-playing now. How do you feel about selling me a pen? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Here I am. You cold call me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> ring, ring. Daniel speaking. Hey, Daniel, it's Zach here. Not interested. Uh, not interested. <laughs> Okay, but I just wanted to check something with you. Okay, go ahead. What's the weather like outside? Uh, bit wet, bit cloudy, bit bit crappy actually. To be honest, put me in a put me in a bad mood. Yeah. Yeah, same here. It's pretty cold outside. I mean, I get grumpy sometimes too when the weather's like that. You just don't have that energetic from this energy from the sunshine. Tell me about it. My toes are cold. And my, my socks are a little bit wet because I walked out before and I'm, I'm actually feeling a little bit, yeah, a bit cold, to be honest. Ah, oh, I know that feeling. I hope you've got a heater there. I do, luckily. I'm sitting right in front of the heater. Oh, wow. hope it's a fireplace, Daniel. No, it's not. I can't afford a fireplace, Zach. Oh. Unfortunately, I'm just renting. So pretty much what I get is what I get. Um, but I did get a great price on this little heater and it's pretty energy efficient. Ah, oh, that's awesome. So price is important to me. All right, <laughs> uh, price, yes. That's always important. I had a quick question. Shoot. I don't know um, who looks after your stationery supplies, but I would like to get the email address for that person. Would that be okay? Honestly, man, I couldn't even remember the last time I bought a pen. Like, they just seem to be here, and when I need one, I just go down to the shops. Wow, it's always hard to find a good quality pen, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is. Uh, To be honest, like the one I'm using now, I don't love it. It's just here. This is what I've got and this is what I've been using. Uh, It must be a good quality pen then. No, it's not the best quality pen. In fact, I hate it, but I just use it every day. It's like beating my head against a brick wall, Zach. Oh, it's terrible. You know what? I've got some great quality pens, but I don't know if they might be really suitable for you or not, Daniel. I'll be on. I'll be honest with you, Zach. Price is a big one for me. I just go for the cheapest price, um, and I, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm happy with what I have, but hey, it's cheap and it gets the job done. I mean, I signed a contract this morning and I sent it off to somebody very important. Um, I would have liked for the ink to be a little bit darker, but you know, is what it is. Let me ask you a question: Do you like cheap and nasty, or do you like quality and good quality products? I like cheap and quality, Zach. I wish that there was a way that I could just get. Good quality stuff for cheap. Wouldn't we all? You know the the things with our the things that we have with our pens is that they are 
quality, but they're actually also very affordable. Now you've got my attention. So what do you think? Would you think I could send that person an email that's in charge of processing? That would be my wife. Now, um, she doesn't really, she probably, this would probably be too small of a decision for her um, to really take on. So she'd probably be happy with me making the decision here today. Ah, excellent. You know what? I don't really feel this may be for you because, you know, it might be a higher quality than what you actually are used to. Well, that's a shame. Certain people your uh, in your industry have actually tried this pen. At first, they thought it was just too expensive. And then they actually tried it and actually worked out better and lasted longer than most of the cheap pens that they actually use. Okay. Do you think pens that last, you know, twice as long as the cheap and nasty pens, but are just as affordable, something you'd be worth looking into? Yeah, it would be, to be honest. Um, I am a little bit sick. It's actually a little bit embarrassing for me sometimes using the cheap pens because, you know, if it's an important contract or if there's someone who I'm, you know, maybe a, a new boss or a new client that I'm trying to impress when I use the pen, I, I notice that their pens are nicer than mine. So signing your signature with a quality pen is important to you? I think you're right. I think that, yeah, I would say so, yes, now that I think about it. It makes you feel better, right? Yeah, I think it's it's sort of like, it's not that I'm competitive with people with their pens, but I mean, I just get I just get the feeling like maybe people would respect me a little bit more if I had a better pen. Absolutely. And I can help you with that. All right. So, so what is this pen? So I usually like to pay $5 at most for a pen. And if I can get two pens for five bucks, even better. You know what? We do have a special promotion going on right now for businesses in your area. Let me talk to my manager and I should be able to do something really special just for you. How many pens do you think you might need? Well, look, I'll probably need one pen in the car, so a black pen in the car, but in the office I'm going to need, um, definitely I'm going to need a red, blue, green and black just because um, sometimes I like to have the different pens to use in different ways. Um, sometimes you can annote something in a green and that means a different thing. Um, but in the past, I've always had those four, four, you know, the pens that they have like four different colors in them. Um, for whatever reason, I just like clicking that and I sort of sit there. It bugs my wife, but I like clicking it like that. Absolutely. I totally get you. Um, what I'll do is I'll grab your details and then we'll work out a best strategy to get you some good quality pens at the most of all affordable price that you've ever actually have paid. Now, how did you want to do this? Did you want me to send you a form and you can fill out? And then what I'll do is actually take that form to my manager and get it signed off on this, you know, deal that we can actually do for you right now today if you are happy to go ahead. Do you think that would be something you'd be willing to go ahead with today, Daniel? Zach, can you please send me through the information? Absolutely. What's your email? My email is such and such and such and such and such. Fantastic. You know, I'll also grab your mobile, Daniel. Sure. My mobile is blah, 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 blah. And your company name? Is Plants Grow Here. Excellent. 
Now let's grab a uh, address. Sure, such and such and such. Fantastic. I'll just get this generated and I will get it processed and approved and we'll get that out to you, I think, within about 72 hours. Did you want to make a um, um, deposit? Um, would you be happy to use your Visa or MasterCard or would you do a bank transfer? Oh, that's a good question. I always pay cash for for uh, pens. Would you take cash? Okay, yep, we can do a COD. Wonderful. So, so you just pretty much just kept on going when I said I just want the information. You just pretended you agreed with me to make me feel better about myself and you just kept going on with the sale as if I didn't even say I want more information. Yep, I'm just building a report. That was good because like for me when I in sales, when I used to hear can I see some information, my heart would drop because I know that that just means like basically bugger off. Yep. Unless they actually tell you specifically to F off, then you F off. But until yeah. then. <laughs> you just keep going on. And, and But you agreed with me, so it wasn't confrontational. It was like very smooth and like it was a pleasant experience for me being sold to when it was like that. It wasn't aggressive. You never disagreed with me. You didn't say, oh, when people, oh, I don't want to send you the information. Are you going to buy or not? You just kept on going on. And then you grabbed more details from me. And once I'd given up my first email yeah. once i gave you my email it's like i'm already committed <laughs> like yeah after i give you my email it's i i felt like oh well here it is and then you asked my visa and i was like oh i'm in it now like i was told really really i didn't feel uncomfortable but i also felt like i'm committed yep brilliant thanks for running that through with me zach i think that that was very valuable i hope that people learned a lot from just that little interaction I hope so. I've never sold a pen to anyone before, so <laughs> <laughs> it's like the cliche, isn't it? Like people, like remember when someone told me, "Oh, learn to sell a pen." It was like that. That was like it's like, what do you mean, learn to sell a pen? They're like, that's just a commodity. You may as well just try and sell someone a lump of gold. <laughs> it's just one pen is another pen. But you sort of talked about the benefits of the fact that your pen was different and how your pen was different, and you really made me feel comfortable. So. Yeah. Well, actually, there's a funny story. This rich guy hands this uh, new recruit, a salesperson who's looking for a job, and goes, uh, sell me this pen. And this pen's worth a very, you know, quite a lot of money since uh, it's a very wealthy man that's given it to the salesperson. The salesperson grabs the pen, walks out the door, and drives away. <laughs> and then the, uh, the, the millionaire calls the salesperson and says, hey, he's bring my pen back. He said, well, how much do you want to pay for it? <laughs> So that's sold. <laughs> <laughs> Got the job, pal. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, yeah. so, Zach, I think sales is a really exciting opportunity for a lot of people in our industry, and they probably overlooked it. But here's here's me. Just think about me a couple of years ago, right? So I had severe wrist pain, and I was wondering how I was going to get through the rest of my career. I'm only 30 years old. I'm What am I, 31 now, turning 32 soon. And I thought, oh, geez, how much longer can I keep this up? And, um, you know, I think that sales is an opportunity for people who work within our industry to move to a new area that's like less hard on their body without giving up all that experience that they've gained. What do you think about that? I think if somebody decides to go into sales and stays within the industry, 
they will do really well as a sales professional because they have that background experience, they have that knowledge, they have that uh, their credibility, they have their rapport, uh, and they know what they're talking about. And so that automatically places them in a good standing over somebody who actually doesn't have any experience in that sector. Totally. And they probably have connections too. Absolutely. So, you know, I started off my career in a, in a nursery as a nursery hand. Then I actually went and became a landscape gardener. And then it's, it is hard yakka. I totally agree with you. And that's the reason I actually went into sales because I, I started hating all the hard work and the labor and, you know, all the things that comes with being a landscape gardener. I actually love it as, a, you know, something to do, but doing it as a profession, you know, day in, day out does take its toll on you. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So what, like, do you have any advice for anybody who's listening to this thinking like, oh, never thought about sales. Maybe I can do sales. Like what advice would you give somebody just entering into the sales profession? I'd say get, um, you know, knowledgeable or educate yourself, whether it's through courses or YouTube or whatever it is, but learn about, you know, uh, sales and selling as a profession and human psychology and, you know, how, how actually sales works. Hmm. So just like anything, you've got to learn how to do it. Absolutely. You know, the more you learn, the more you pick up and tips and hacks you can actually, you know, do in your life or in your job that actually, you know, make it look um, easy. Like uh, when I sell and I, if I have, I haven't trained anybody for a long time, but <clears throat> back when I was, you know, I would do things and I would make it look so easy and then the new person would think, oh, it's so easy. But it's only <laughs> over years of experience you you know certain things and you do them and you're, you know, you, you get so much done a lot quicker because you actually know how to progress through all the steps uh, at a, you know, at a pace that makes it look, wow, that was easy. But it's actually not. It's actually you've learned and, you know, improved yourself to be able to do that. Hmm. it'd be a bit like watching someone like a martial arts black belt you go oh that's easy look at how he just flipped that person over with his pinky give me a go yeah (laughs) so what about neurodivergent people like what about me i got adhd does that prevent me from getting into sales look i have adhd and ocd as well so i'm just like you and a lot of other people there, but um, and I didn't know I had it until recently in my forties. So, um, it I think having ADHD, OCD is is something that's actually beneficial. And if you're in sales, it's probably the most beneficial because it it gives you that hunter's mentality and that drive and ambition and that thirst for. Now, the chase, like, it, it really is suitable for people with those, um, you know, um, um, would say um, there's not, I wouldn't say it's a disorder, but it's like with those capabilities to be able to harness that uh, energy from that, you know, from the ADHD and OCD minds, it's uh, so powerful when somebody knows how to harness it. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about what you would tell someone who has ADHD and they're in our industry and they want to basically better themselves or learn more about their, I don't want to say condition, but um, their 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 mind, their reality? Like what advice would you have for someone like 
like that. If somebody's already in sales uh, and they want to learn how to, you know, become better or, or do more or figure out why they aren't doing certain things because, you know, the ADHD is holding them back and they don't know how to cope or if they're struggling, um, you know, there's there's really good information out there. But, you know, if anybody who is struggling with sales and is ADHD on, or, or OCD, uh, you know, reach out to me. I'm more than happy to jump on a call with somebody and just go through some strategies and tips to get them, get them back on track or just, you know, get themselves out of the hole, whatever they, uh, you know, stuck in or if they're not moving forward or progressing, um, you know, happy to jump on with somebody and help them out. So that's actually a service that you offer that's separate to the sales that we've been talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, my 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 day job is I am a sales professional with the company, but um, as my side hustle, I do have a uh, a coaching business that I work with salespeople and uh, people with ADHD and OCD in particular, uh, and I work with uh, mainly salespeople and professionals um, to help them, you know, uh, overcome their struggles and get them back on track. And look, for the record, I have OCD as well, but I don't say that one because when you say ADHD, people know what that is. But when you say OCD, they think I'm like um, a neat freak or that I constantly, yep. I mean, that's just such a small part of OCD. So yeah, I mean, my OCD is pretty different to that. So can you paint us a picture? Like what does the day of a salesperson look like after you've already finished all the training, after you're in it, you've got a good like sort of CRM full of your clients and you've got good relationships going, like what is the life of a salesperson look like? Uh, after you've done all that, it's essentially depending on if you're in, like depends on what type of sales you're in, either you're in a showroom, you know, if you're in a car sales or you're JB Hi-Fi or a department store, you know, uh, it, or you're on the road, if you're door-to-door selling solar, or if you're, you know, on the road as a B2B professional or, or B2C, it's, it's, it depends on, you know, which part of the sales industry you're in. But essentially, if you're a professional and you've established your career, uh, you know, you've, you've got a, your day already set out before, uh, you know, you start the day, you've got your appointments, your calls you've got to make, your visits you've got to make, your follow-ups, your, you know, CRM management and um, all those kinds of things. So it's very much like you have to have the drive because if you don't, it's almost like my experience at the, anyway was almost like people aren't watching over you as much. They're just looking at your results. Yeah, I think in respect, uh, you know, it, it does uh, people uh, do perceive, you know, certain ways. But uh, with sales, it's sometimes uh, I like to look at it like that the, the way that you know imagine a farmer planting seeds every day mm. <clears throat> he plants the seeds in the crops you know and then he waters it or the rain um, you know waters the crop and then it grows so he knows that you know if he's going to plant there he's looked at the weather chart and he's going well if I plant now it's going to rain you know, the crop's going to get started and it's going to grow but you know, salespeople sometimes what we do is we plant the seed and we dig it up every you know 20 or 30 minutes to see if it's actually growing so we don't actually let it grow uh, and we might actually kill it like it was <laughs> digging it up. So it's essentially learning, uh, you know, to, to sow the seed every day and don't expect the result straight away sometimes, you know. Okay. So in this context, the seed is relationships and the way people feel about you and how you can help them. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the cold calls could be seeds that you're planting every day. It could mm. be, you know, you, you've, you've struck up a conversation that you can follow up in two weeks or four weeks or six months. And the next buying cycle, maybe you can catch capture that client, you know, um, and hopefully help them with something. So it's just, um, it depends on, yeah, what it is. So how do you reach out to someone more than once? So like, let's say, okay, I've cold called them. I didn't sell them on the first one. And now it's two weeks, four weeks, two months later. How do I reach out a second time? Like, do I just say the same thing to everybody or how do I make that connection? Not necessarily. I mean, if you say the same thing to everybody, it would be pretty uh, boring. But how you make that connection is, like, if you're on the call on the first first time and you found out, you know, Daniel's married or has, you know, two kids, a boy and a girl, or, or found out their birthday or, or you know, you're going away on a trip somewhere. Let's say we were talking uh, and you were going away on a trip to Victoria or somewhere else. So, and I'd say, look, you know, Daniel, I know it's probably not the right time. And if you're not ready to buy, I wouldn't force you to close. Um, you know, and say, look, you know, and you tell me you're going to buy pens in six months' time because you've got enough stock now. I'd say, look, would you mind if I gave you a call in five and a half months mm. and just checked in and see how everything was going? I know you're happy with your current supplier. I, I just wanted to see how things were going and if you would give us a chance to maybe. Uh, quote for your business and maybe possibly keep the other supplier honest is that okay that makes me feel good yeah that makes yeah. me feel like i'm in control and i'm in power and that now Absolutely. you're serving me yep so then i'd call you in five and a half months time and i'd actually call you in five months time and say daniel there's something might have happened you know you might have been pissed off by the other supplier or you may be out of stock or something and say daniel you know you know, last time we talked, you said I could call you in five and a half months' time. I know it's a couple of weeks early, but I thought I'd just get in, you know, just to see how things are going for you and if you have actually do any requirements. Uh, you know, how did you go? And then you'd go, oh, yeah, okay, well, I am actually looking for a new supply because the other guy let me down. I wasn't happy with the quality. It was cheap and nasty, uh, whatever it is. But that's that's how you go back. So you've got to have an excuse, right, to go back to that client because if you don't have an excuse to go back, you're essentially you're not doing your job properly. It's like, are we there yet? Are we at the sale yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> mm. If you don't have a, something unique to say each time. Let's just quickly define the terms B2B and B2C. So business to business is like if you're selling to businesses and business to consumer is if you're selling to consumers, the wider public, yep. right? So let's right. say if you're calling up businesses, that's B2B. Mm -hmm. If you're cold calling someone who's just cooking their dinner at 7 o'clock p.m., that's B2C. Yes. So is there anything else you'd like the listeners to know about, Zach? Uh, I think, you know, and uh, just getting back on the sales calls thing, uh, I think the biggest problem people make when they do a follow-up call is they say, look, I, hey, you know, hey, Daniel, uh, I'm just following up from the last time we talked. And that's probably the most common thing I get from other salespeople, you know. When you're just saying you're following up, that's just so salesy, you know. <laughs> uh, there's no rapport. There's no, hey, we, I know we talked about this five and a half ago. So essentially what you're trying to do is jog that person's memory. And, you know, we talked about, you know, you said you were going to go to Victoria and, you know, that's key and with your family. How did you go? Like, was it really good? Like, you know, I've never been to Victoria, but, you know, should I, should I take my family? Like, where did you go? Um, you know, so it's all about building rapport with that person 
and essentially, you know, creating that um, that uh, that glue that you can be, you know, you're that you're a trusted advisor to that person instead of just another salesperson. Do you think that people can just like sense it when you're not being honest or you're not being, I don't know how to put it, like a good person? Like, do you think people can smell dishonesty and selfishness? Absolutely. Uh, And also, you know, they can smell that fear or they smell that when people are uh, nervous on the call or if people are, you know, just trying to sell them something or pitch them or, you know, it's it's, um, that... um, uh, psyche or the energy, you know, transfers across. And, you, and, you know, when you pick up the phone, if you're smiling, people can pick that up as well. So. so actually, even though someone can't see your face, smiling when you're on the phone can make you more trustworthy. Not only trustworthy, but also as a, you know, a person of influence, a person that's friendly, that, you know, that's approachable. It, it, it comes across that you're a good person to do business with. Okay. So something I think, and this is with interviewing people, this is with um, talking with clients when you're on the job, this is really important is to hold the energy. So don't give in to the other person's energy. We all know when you've got a client screaming at you, um, this is in landscape, that you can't mm. you can't scream back at them. If you can mm. smile at them and you can be like, oh, hey, man, I totally get it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I stuffed up. Or, yeah. hey, man, this is what happened. If you can hold your energy and keep that calm, yeah. That that's much better than if you give in to the other side and you let them have the dominant energy. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I guess that's, you know, the version of a client screaming at you, that's probably not so much in sales if you're doing it the right way. But you might have someone who's just dead set. Um, maybe they're just, they're just dead set that, I don't know, or whatever it is. But yeah. Mm. Yeah. Groovy. Thank you so much for your time, Zach. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah, it was a great episode. Here's the sales process in four simple steps, one more time for you. Step one, we start by picking up the phone or sitting at the keyboard to make a cold or warm contact and we introduce ourselves. Secondly, we pitch or present our offer and its benefits. Thirdly, we handle objections and then finally we close. If you follow those four steps, you're already on your way to becoming a great salesperson. Obviously, there's a whole lot more you need to learn about sales, but I hope this episode has given you a bit of an introduction to the topic so that you know where to focus your efforts to improve. There's a sales category on the new industry job board I've created at hortpeople.com, so pop your resume up there for free for employers to browse. 